You're listening to The Collected Podcast, bringing you inspiration and resources to help you discover and live from your truest self. Follow along on social media at Collected Workshops and be sure to visit thecollectedpodcast.com for show notes and to learn more. of The Collected Podcast with Jess Biondo, Tia McNally, and Michaela Hooper. Today we have something very special that we're going to start doing um, once a month for the next three to four months, um, and that is interviewing people from our own team so that you can get to know us a little more and hear our hearts for how God led us to this ministry we're doing now, and so you can get to know our stories a little bit more. So you get to hear from Tia. Cool. Starting off with Tia, our fearless leader. Yes. Oh, man, I'll tell you what, though. It's crazy being on the other side of the mic. That was weird. It was fun. It was good. <laughs> it you was did a great good. job. You Thanks. I felt like we had therapy. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, here is our interview with Tia. Today, we get to welcome our very own Tia McNelly. Hey! It is so weird being on the other side of the table from you guys. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure it is. Uh-huh. Now I kind of understand how our guests feel. I'm a little nervous. Okay. You got this. Just shake it off. Okay. Shake it off. I'm good. Um, so to get started, mm. we see you now as this confident woman of God, blogger, future author, podcaster. How did you get to this point? Let's back up. Because I know your story, and you have overcome incredible obstacles, and God has been with you every step of the way, but it has not been an easy journey. Um, So how did you come to know the Lord first, and where did you go from there? Mm, That's a great question. So my family, um, up until the time I was 12, kind of felt like the perfect little family. Like my mom taught at the preschool. We went to church at Good Shepherd, this tiny little little church where I went to preschool and um so we were there for a while and then uh, I they wouldn't let me play in the handball choir because it was really terrible and my mom got super offended and we left (laughs) but it was great because it led us to to this big church in Charlotte where I really did receive some spiritual formation Mm. and um by the time I was nine Uh, I really desired to know Jesus Mm -hmm. and I saw like babies getting their heads sprinkled because it was a Presbyterian church and I saw adults standing up and saying I want to follow Jesus and I was like I want all of that so at nine I I did profess my faith and was baptized Mm -hmm. in the Presbyterian church Um, and and I definitely was a Jesus freak like even in high school that was kind of part of how people knew me I was like a little hippie Jesus freak is what they called me (laughs) and um Things got really tough in high school, though, because my parents had a very nasty divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was it was just very, very ugly. And it was one of those situ- family situations where secrets came out one after another mm-hmm. after another mm-hmm. and some of it very perverse. And um, so in that time, uh, my father exited my life. I did definitely kind of push him out of the picture but that was definitely that was for the best. Um, and I and I wandered from that sureness of my faith. I never 
I never said Jesus, no, thank you. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't believe that anymore. But um, I wasn't walking a life in the spirit at all. I wasn't walking with God generally um, through throughout college. So I guess when I finally did decide to follow Jesus fully as an adult was when I became pregnant in college unexpectedly, mm-hmm. which was a massive turning point in my life. Yeah. 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 So um, do you want me to tell that story? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. How did awesome. that change things for you? Well, the day that I was, I was 21 when I found out that I was pregnant um, and the day I found out, the Lord immediately started speaking to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I was sitting out, it was, it was April and I was in Boone, North Carolina, which is in the mountains of North Carolina. And the sun was shining. It was starting to warm up a little bit. So it was kind of one of those nice moments in the sunshine in the midst of a really, really hard day because mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't know what I was going to do. I mean, it felt like the world was ending. But as I sat out there alone and I cried and I processed, the Lord said to me, the baby's name will be Jeremiah. And I was like, what the heck was that? Like, I didn't even know what it was I was hearing. I was kind of like shocked at the the, the sound of his voice in my own mind. And um, I just sensed in my spirit right then that, that he was speaking to me and that meant something. And so from that moment on, I asked him to keep talking yeah. and I've been walking closely with him ever since then. Wow. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. So you get pregnant. Yep. And that radically changes things. And then you go to nursing school. Yes. So what happened in nursing school and how did that propel you into what God had next for you? You know, what's interesting. This isn't something I've ever talked about. So we'll see where this goes. But um, when I was in nursing school, I was a fresh baby Christian dealing with a lot of stress. And mm-hmm. if anybody listening has ever been to nursing school, you know the level of stress that that is. Right. And it was an accelerated program too. So it was it was incredibly stressful. Um, but being such a baby and kind of coming into my own as an adult combined to make me incredibly judgmental. Mm. Um, and it, it I've always been a talker and was not very good about thinking about the way that my words affected other people early mm. on. And so I ran into a lot of, of like relational struggles with friends because of that. Um, and that was tough. It was tough to sort that out. But, but God, you know, obviously everything that we, everything we fail at becomes something that, that builds us and grows us and helps us understand exactly how it is that, that God wants us to live. But I was in Bible study during that time um, with about six other women who were my age. Not all of them were single and all living in Charlotte after college. And um, that time was so precious, those those few years right after I had my daughter, um, who I decided to keep, by the way. I knew mm-hmm. from the second I knew I was pregnant that abortion was not an option. That just mm-hmm. like rose up in me. Like, that's not what I'm doing. Yeah. I might put this baby up for adoption. I don't know. But I waited, I waited a, a couple months before I decided what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had a very supportive mother, which allowed me to be able to, um, to parent her. So, yeah. So through nursing school, I really did. I struggled a lot with, like, behavior, you know, mm-hmm. getting my behaviors under control. Because I had been living so wildly through college, drinking and drugs and sleeping around and just so self-consumed, mm-hmm. just selfishly trying to numb and distract 
and keep myself from from feeling the hurt of mm-hmm. what had happened in during high school. Right. Um, and so, yeah, so I kind of kind of grew up as a as a parent and as a, a believer during those years in nursing school. And then I met my husband, who is incredible. He's just the best man on the planet, if I if I'm being honest. Like that's that's how I see him. Mm. And this has always been sort of weird to say, but it's almost like he parented me. Mm. Like, not in a weird way, not in a condescending or patronizing way, but just right. the way that he loved me modeled the love of God in a way that showed me the right way to live and wow. to treat people and to behave. Um, I mean, we had a lot of struggles. We definitely did. We got pregnant with my second daughter five months after we got married. So he went from single and he was he was 33 when we got married and he was single and had been for a long time, had his own ways, kind of set in his own patterns and then was married with two kids 18 months later. Wow. So yeah. All right, Joel. <laughs> kind of my hero. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, we did, we kind of helped each other adapt and figure out how to do married life together. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, so we did face, we faced a few struggles. Um, after I had my, my second daughter, I, uh, had terrible postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. And as much as I was in the hospital teaching people, I was a labor and delivery nurse, worked nights in the hospital. Um, I was there teaching moms about postpartum depression Mm -hmm. and did not realize that that's what was happening to me because it didn't, it didn't look the same. Right. I wasn't I wasn't sad and incapacitated and unable to to get on with life like I think we think of depression as being. Um, I was angry, I was spiteful, and I started to have like morbid thoughts, very morbid thoughts. I kept picturing my own death, kept thinking of things that I would do to get people's attention, like self harm things that would shock people's system to realize how miserable I was. Mm-hmm. I thought that quitting my job was the answer. For whatever reason, in my in my mind, that was the answer. But when I finally realized, I was I was envisioning myself driving into a telephone pole, um, and I just all of a sudden realized this isn't normal. Like, what is going on in my brain right now? Mm. And I realized, oh my gosh, I have postpartum depression. But my daughter was ten months old by then, so I'd been dealing with that, and it had been getting worse and worse up to then. Yeah. Um. So that, and then, and then you know. Again, early on in our marriage, we've been married 14 years now. Um, we also had, we, I came down with rheumatoid arthritis, a severe case of rheumatoid arthritis, very, very suddenly when I was 28. And dealing with the process of understanding like how the different medications work and different things that I can do to, to help myself be healthier um, and understanding that disease process and, you know, looking at my, my family history and all of the sickness in my family history mm-hmm. um, has been a pretty massive challenge. So yeah, we've been we've been yeah. through a lot yeah. to get where we are today yeah. for sure. How do you how do you like how do you remain rooted mm. in the midst of those like in the midst of challenges? Like you've had some significant hardship throughout your life, and I know you mentioned a life in the spirit. Mm-hmm. I know you know like. Obviously, the Lord, but how? What are like specific things that help you remain rooted, or almost bring you back to that place of being aware that you're rooted in Him? Like, mm. what? What is that? Like, how does yeah. that work for you? Well, so one thing I'll say that is completely out of my control is that I, 
God has given me, I don't manifest this from within myself. I don't manufacture this, but God has given me an incredible measure of faith. Hmm. I know that I know that I know that God is sovereign. Hmm. And I, I, that's him. He's given me that. He's instilled that in me because I look back at his past faithfulness. Even in the word, I look at, you know, I look at the Israelites and I'm like, guys, would you just look back and remember everything that God has done for you? You know, that's mm-hmm. that's, that's crazy. a reminder to me to do the same thing in my life. And when I look back and I see all the ways that he, he walked with me and he restored me and rescued me over and over and over again, um, that helps me stay mm-hmm. rooted for one. That's a that's almost like a, a subconscious thing for me. Mm-hmm. But consciously, choices that I make um, to just stay stay focused and remember who God is. And that's not me. That is, mm-hmm. that is, I am not God of my life. He is God of my life. Um, is to always have kind of a, a place and a plan for time with him. That I know where I'm going. I'm going to my couch under my special blanket. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to sit down with the word and with my journal. And the first thing I do is I look at the verse of the day in the Version Bible app. Like that has been a practice of mine for years. And I start there. And then I rabbit trail through the word, however the spirit leads. And that is how I set the tone for my day, most days. And that's what keeps me rooted, just being in his word. Yeah. Hey guys, Jess here. So one of our sponsors is me, Whispers of Foundry. Uh, I started this hand lettering business about two years ago, and I bring you whimsical, hand lettered, inspirational sayings, cards, prints, wood signs, you name it, I will do it. Uh, go to my Etsy shop at sprezzafoundry.etsy.com. That's Sprezza, S-P-R-E-Z-Z-A, Foundry. And also on Instagram at Spreza Foundry. Use promo code PODCAST for 10% off your order. Uh, you can direct message me for any custom jobs that you're interested in. And I would love to Sprezify your house, bring a little nonchalant elegance from my home to yours. Um, so for our listeners who don't know, you are no longer a literal labor labor and delivery nurse. No. So when did that shift happen? And there's one story I would like you to specifically touch on in relation to a specific tree. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so there was kind of a combination of events that took place. I have a tree thing, by the way. There's there's a special... Yeah, definitely a special message that God has for me in trees constantly, different ways. But... Mm -hmm. um, What Jess is referring to is, um, so when I came down with rheumatoid arthritis, it just so happened that it was during my two-week notice at the hospital when I was quitting as a nurse to stay home with my kids because they were in in preschool. And I felt like I needed to be home with them. So we had kind of like downsized our life and made all the adjustments. And I finally got to put in my two-week notice. And then, bam, I had rheumatoid arthritis. So a few months later, we kind of got the symptoms under control and was still kind of walking through that. But my my assumption about my life was that I'm a now a stay-at-home mom. That's what mm. I do. Um, and in the midst it's of... It's funny when we make assumptions about our lives. Isn't it? <laughs> that's like, that's cute. Oh. That's, cute. <laughs> that's sweet. You just keep thinking of that. Um, in the meantime, my husband's sister came down with leukemia. And through that process, I got to know his family that lived out in California. And I really hadn't known them before because... We're in North Carolina. They're in California, so we don't see each other much. 
Um, but I would go out for her chemo sessions here and there. Like all of us kind of took turns doing that. And then um, we went out to visit for Thanksgiving after um, her transplant. My husband donated stem cells for a stem cell transplant that eventually brought about her healing. And she's mm-hmm. still cancer free today, 10 years later. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Amen. It's amazing. Um, and so through getting to know my sister-in-law um, and visiting out there in California, she told me a story one day, and I mean, this is this was out of the blue for me, completely out of the blue. Um, she said that she had been, um, she had been, she stayed back because she was tired from, like she's had some residual effects from chemo and radiation and everything. And we had gone out for the day in Monterey Bay. We went whale watching and we came back and I said, so did you get some rest? Were you able to rest? And she said, well, no, actually I ended up working. And I didn't even realize that she had a job. So I'm like, what do you, what do you mean working? I thought that you like wrote or something. I don't, like, I really had no idea what she did. And that's when she told me the story of um, our friend David in Kenya being arrested um, because he had gone to the bank to pick up the cash um, to pay the teachers at some of the schools for the project that she and her husband started <laughs> in rural Kenya. And, um, all of a sudden, it was like this whole the whole world opened up to me. And I'm like, wait, OK, I kind of remember that you do something in Kenya. Tell me more about that. And she explained that they had developed the relationship with this guy that they met when they were on vacation one time and they'd stayed in touch and now they have schools. And I'm like, my mind is blown right now. Mm-hmm. And the realization was that I had never even bothered to consider how people live in other parts of the world. I had yeah. such a narrow worldview at that time in my life. I was 29, 28 years old at that, or 29 at that time. So there were some other things that happened during that visit. And I ended up going, um, I just needed a breather. And I ended up going outside under this tree. It was a live oak tree. Um, and it just felt comfortable there. And I went and I sat down and I just sought the Lord. And as I was sitting there under that tree, it became so clear that that this, whatever Kenya was, I didn't even know, like I didn't even know what that meant at the time, was going to be my, my life's work. That that was going to be something that I was about from then on. And as I sat there, the Holy Spirit started speaking to me in ways that I had never experienced before. Um, I was, I was connecting scriptures in ways that I, I had never experienced before. I was hearing his voice about things that I had never heard before. It was, it was sort of this awakening in my Mm -hmm. spirit. And, and looking back now, I kind of see where that was an anointing for ministry. Mm -hmm. That was like an outpouring of the Holy Spirit for a time of ministry Mm -hmm. that was coming. And so for the next, um, eight and a half years, I started as a volunteer and then, worked on on staff eventually doing all kinds of work for the Kilgoris project which was that organization that has schools in rural Kenya and that absolutely shifted everything for me working under my sister-in-law who was such an incredible mentor to me she developed me personally and professionally um, and was so patient with me um, being so young and so unaware of the world and how it works um, yeah she almost functioned as a bit of a parent to me as well Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of helped grow me up over over the last decade. So I'm so grateful for that time there at the Kilgores mm-hmm. Project. I just keep thinking to myself, it's amazing what happens when we position ourselves 
like we're open, mm-hmm. we're open to, re- to receive something from the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that's what you did that day when you sat down by the tree, mm-hmm. you were positioning your, yourself for what was next and you had no idea <laughs> no. what was next. <laughs> but when we position ourselves, we're always surprised and we will always see God's goodness Yeah, and it will truly blow us away. And I think that's so amazing. Like when we, when we do that, we're, we're like, we're physically and spiritually saying yes Mm -hmm. to what it is. And that's so much of who we are as collected. Like when we say yes to something and I believe that you positioning yourself by that tree that day was a, was a yes. And you didn't even realize that Mm -hmm. that was a yes. Um, you know what else I didn't realize? Just, I just put together how significant, uh, trees became within the work that I did there. I know. I was Mm -hmm. just going to mention the tree farm that you started. Like, I mean, trees have always, like I said, they've always been a thing. They've always had so much symbolism. Like I take the scientific information that I can get out of anything I can learn about different types and species and the way that they interact in the environment and Mm -hmm. so many I feel like God has placed the gospel in nature in so many ways. And trees is such a significant one, even in scripture. Mm-hmm. I mean, you see olive trees and the cedars of Lebanon. and Well, you even weave it throughout what you share in our workshops. That's like, true. Yeah. You, like you you use the example of a tree, like the stump and the... The stump like, and the shoot. The shoot. Like, oh, yeah. That was mm-hmm. huge, too. Okay. But then trees through my work in Kenya, yeah. we've... Um, now there's a, a 40-acre tree farm that um yeah. a sustainable development project that's yeah. helping fund the schools and yeah yeah it's wild and i mean i just never would have seen that coming god god did that long before i was there that's a, another story for another day but um but yeah the stump and shoot was definitely an important part of the story too what Michaela's was talking about um the symbolism of sometimes god has to cut you down before you can grow again mm-hmm. i feel like that's sort of what happened um, in the spiritual realm during uh, the kind of closing of that time at TKP or the Kogoros mm. Project. Yeah, what, how, how did that, because you're no longer there. So mm. what are you doing now? Yeah. And how did your work there set you up for what was next for you? Well, um, that is a great question. So mm. I definitely walked through a time of like a wilderness time. Mm-hmm. Um, just feeling lost and my identity was so wrapped up in the work in Kilgoris, um, that I, I would say out loud that I felt like if I quit doing that work, that it would feel like my arm had been cut off because it was so much a part of who I was. And really it is because it's part of my purpose. That is part of the calling that's on my life and the work that I was made to do for sure because of the unique bond that I have with um, with my friends and what I consider family there. But um, I'm so grateful that God didn't require that I left, that I leave Kilgoris altogether mm-hmm. um, because it really is a community that I am a part of. Um, I feel like I belong there and am invited in to participate in, in a way that I wouldn't have expected. Um, but during that wilderness time, God just started revealing that he had something new for me to do, which was really tough to accept. Yeah. But I started saying yes and started walking in it. He wanted me to start writing. And I felt like he was giving me a message, which is collected. Mm-hmm. Um, I had spent a really long time being distracted and perturbed 
which are the two things that you cannot be if you want to be collected. (laughs) The definition of collected is not distracted or perturbed. Mm -hmm. And I was existing in such a state of offense, constantly wrapped up in offense. Um, And I'm so grateful that during that season, God brought me to the church that Michaela pastors at um, called New Song Church in North Carolina. And um, God started talking to me about honor and how when when we're offended if instead of focusing on what a person has done to offend us and you know our judgment in that if we can make a conscious choice to honor someone instead um that suddenly offenses shut down mm-hmm. and so through the stump and shoot illustration of me needing to get be cut down from that pattern of distraction and offense mm-hmm. um that then he was ready to make me grow again mm-hmm. through that and through um, through this concept of honor and all these things that he was bringing to me during this season. I feel like even though it was a season of sips quenching, um, he was he was absolutely still giving me everything that I needed to stay alive spiritually, though it felt like I was struggling to do so. Right. Um, it was it was watering me and growing me and allowing me to kind of move into a new season with fresh growth. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. In fact, you know what? I was driving down the street um, a few months ago and there's this huge old stump. It's got to be 10 feet around. Um, that's, I mean, I've driven past this stump for what, 11 years now on the way taking my kids to school. And I was driving by and I noticed that there's like an eight foot tree growing out of the middle of the stump. And I heard him oh. whisper to me, look how you've grown. Oh, I was like, Jesus, why are you so sweet? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. how, that's just the sweetest little love note. I love that. Mm-hmm. And the cutting back can feel so painful mm. and feel like our destruction. Yeah. And yet without it, we'd be stagnant. Mm. And like even the things that feel painful, God can use for our growth and for mm-hmm. our good and for his glory. Yeah. And I feel like that message is all over your life. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Where you could have at any point in your story just chosen to throw your hands up and be like, no, God, this is hard. I'm done. You must not be good. Mm. Yeah. But in fact, he was showing his goodness by using those to get you to where he needed you to be. Absolutely. Yeah. And that wilderness season that you you were talking about, I think part of what he did in you was like reestablishing your identity in him. Totally. And reminding you like stuff that you knew, but he was like, no, I'm going to remind you that this is who you are. Yeah. This is who I am and this is who you are in me. And I think that um, sometimes actually more often than not in the wilderness, it's really hard to see that. But we either recognize it at certain points in the wilderness or we realize it after and we have hindsight, which is a beautiful thing, um, of what God, like the greater measure or the fullness Mm -hmm. of what God has done in that wilderness season. So, um, I just, I mean, I've known you almost two years, which is crazy. (laughs) I feel like I've known you for such a long time, but I've seen that in your Mm -hmm. life and hearing your story over and over again, like I'm just, I'm really blown away Mm -hmm. by how God has just, yeah, he, he has been so sweet yeah, and that's who he is. And, and your life is just a testimony of that which mm-hmm. is really it's beautiful so the the message that I feel like God has sort of placed on my lips for my life is just that his restoration is 
always greater than our devastation. Mm -hmm. And that no matter what we walk through, no matter how hard it is to be cut down, that Mm -hmm. the growth that occurs afterward is so beautiful and it's in such a greater measure. Anything that is taken from us, anything that we're stripped of is is replaced with something better or something greater um, or in a greater measure, so to speak. Um, And so I feel like that has been solidified in the past year. Um, and I mean, I look at, I look at what happened when, um, when I was asked to stop working, when he asked me to stop working for the Kilgore's project and how difficult that was and the ministry that he's placed in my life with collected and then being able to work with Flourish Kenya, which you guys, um, listeners have heard a little bit about now. Um, please visit flourishkenya.org to see what that organization Mm -hmm. is doing to combat, unplanned adolescent pregnancy. Now you know more why that cause is so dear to me, Mm -hmm. having experienced my own unplanned pregnancy. And with just your knowledge of being a labor and delivery nurse and how God used every part of your story Mm -hmm. to birth, flourish, Mm -hmm. and collect it, and now helped you realize another passion that he has placed inside of you um, in helping other people figure out their passions. Can you talk about that? And yeah. Tell us more about that. Well, so it was it was um, wild. This I guess it was less than a year ago. We did an event um, at Katie Fit, which you guys have heard a bit about because they're one of our, our sponsors. Um, it was a New Year's edition of Collected, and Collected has sort of evolved over time and become something different. Every time we did a workshop in the first year, it evolved into something new. And um, I'm grateful for that because God is taking us through a process of refining the message of the book that will be collected. Um, and uh, so I lost my train of thought. What was the question? Um, about your labor Passion. and delivery. Labor and delivery. That's right. Yeah. So at, the, at this event at Katie Fit, um, this woman walks up to me at the end and she goes, hey, um, I just, I don't know if this is weird to you, but I have sort of a, like a prophetic word for you. And I'm like, not weird? Bring it. Let's do it. What is it? <laughs> and she's like, well, I think you mentioned briefly that you had been a labor and delivery nurse while you were speaking today. And I just want you to know that you are still a labor and delivery nurse, only you're not helping people birth babies anymore. You're helping people birth their dreams. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, Yes, absolutely, because I have become so passionate about this place that people find themselves in where they're they're almost pregnant with an idea or or a prompting from the Holy Spirit and they have no idea what to do with that or where to begin or what to even Google. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. I, I literally don't For even sure. know what to put in the Google search bar. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, so that's why, that's how my, my birthing, co- uh, birthing coach, how my coaching business came about mm-hmm. was finding a way to structure a process for people to walk through birthing their dreams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So to kind of close this up, Tia, yep. I want to just ask you this quick question. Okay. Um, since you're always like challenging people and encouraging them and their passions and, and acknowledging their, the things about themselves that they love, what is one favorite thing um, that you have about yourself? Hmm, oh, man. <laughs> It's always the hardest question to answer. It is. Um, You know, something that I was really insecure about for a long time, because I really felt like I was too much for people, Mm. is my enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. You know, like I always felt like the world was telling me to take it down a notch. 
And God was like, don't you dare take it down a notch. (laughs) Your enthusiasm and your passion is what is bringing other people to a place of understanding their own enthusiasm and passion and the things that I've placed in them. And so something that that was something that was very difficult and did cause me a lot of embarrassment at times when I was younger and didn't know exactly how to like channel it towards the right things or how to express it in helpful ways. Um, but yeah, I think that's, that's probably one I get, I get that, um, that I'm enthusiastic and that the enthusiasm is infectious, which was also slightly insulting sometimes, that word. But um, yeah, I think that's it. Well, you're a gift for sure. Oh, thanks. And um, I think we're greater um, (laughs) because we have you in our life and we get to walk life with you and hear your story Mm -hmm. and be a part of it. So thank you for sharing with us today. Mm -hmm. Thank you guys for saying yes. Thank you. did it Tia <laughs> I did <laughs> I only lost my train of thought once <laughs> you did a great job oh thank you um and one thing we didn't get to in the interview but I want to give you a chance if, if there's anything you wanted to say to people who are at that crossroads of trying to figure out what their dream is mm-hmm. or they have something inside of them like what what would you recommend yeah. really well good. first of all you better obey. (laughs) If God is telling you to do something and you don't do it, or even if you wait to do it, delayed obedience is disobedience. So we all have to kind of get into a life practice of making sure that when God says to act, that we're brave enough and trust him enough to go ahead and do what he's telling us to do. Now, sometimes when he gives us that go, it's it's a get ready to go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you know that you you have work to do. And so, yeah, I think it's simple. I think Wendy Jordan um, a, a while back said, just do it. Yeah. yeah. Just do the thing that God's asking you to do. And if you need help, let me know. I would love to help you. Yeah. So email us at hello at collectedworkshops.com. You got it. Yeah. Or hello at tiamcnelly.com. Yeah. And as you heard, Tia um, is just is full of wisdom and um, of stories of just walking life out and discovering who God is. And um, she is somebody that will walk with you and speak truth over you. So if you're looking for that, she's an incredible person um, mm. to to just open yourself up and allow her to invest in you. So thanks, Kayla. Welcome. Yeah, email me. I'd love to pray for you. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention before we wrap is that we do have resources. Um, I think in the episode, in the interview, I mentioned the New Year's edition of Collected that we did. And we have these resources for sort of like an annual review process for your mm-hmm. life where you can reflect and evaluate each area um, of your life. And there are a ton of prompts and um, just opportunities to look at what God did to see what you need to take with you into the new year and what you need to leave behind. And I know mm-hmm. this is this is an episode that's airing early in the year. And so um, if you're still walking through that process of setting goals and intentions for, for 2019, um, please email me at hello at tmcnelly.com and I will be happy to send those resources to you. Free, completely free. Just do it. Just do it. Well, happy new year. Happy new year. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Collected Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. 
And if you like what you've heard, we'd love it if you would spread the word. You can follow Collected on social media at Collected Workshops. You can also find Tia at Tia McNelly Notes and Jess at Spreza Foundry. Check back for weekly episodes dropping every Thursday.